Welcome to Off the Beat, the podcast that discusses all things law enforcement from a cop's point of view. My name is DJ Seals. I'm a former detective, crime analyst, and SWAT operator from the metro Atlanta area. Now, I currently work for Motorola as law enforcement consultant, but this podcast will never be about product or sales, and that I promise you. I came up with this idea because I wanted to have a place where we could have a conversation about current police issues without you, my listener, feeling like they were in a sales pitch. I would not listen to that, and I'm sure you wouldn't either. So before we get into today's topic, I want to say, you know, thank you. A lot of people gave me some great feedback on uh, my interview the last time with uh, Chief Brueger about um, parole and bond and all, all the reform that needs to come around that. Uh, I know he, he appreciates that, and uh, I do too. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you guys uh, liked that particular one. I've still got comments coming in, still got listens on that. I also want to uh, reach out to some of my uh, new listeners in new countries, believe it or not. Uh, I'm, I'm always surprised. Um, we've got some listeners now in uh, Vietnam and uh, even had one in Iceland. Okay, not sure how you found me, but I'm glad you're here and you're welcome. Today's topic. This is one I've been mulling over for a while. This is one that's probably going to be a little bit um, bristly. Uh, as my father-in-law used to say, some people in the South here, we say this, and some people might get their hackles up on this particular one, but I just feel the conversation needs to be had. Have you lost the spark? Have you lost the spark? What do I mean by that? Well, in policing and in, in, in fire and basically public safety, we, we have a term called R-O-D. Retired on duty. <laughs> and you would imagine it's those people that have just, you know, they've done their time. They've done their 20, 25, 30 or more years. And, and now they're just, you know, they're in a position where they're just waiting to retire. They've done their time. And, and there you go. True. Happens. But are you ROD before your time? Have you lost it? Do you just show up to clock in? I was thinking about this. I was like, you know, are you, and how do, how do I word this? I was going back and forth and back and forth. And it's kind of like, are you clocking in to make a difference? Or are you clocking in to just make time? You got to think about that. This is a really internal thing. I mean, it, it's probably good that I'm, I'm not having this talk in a classroom setting. Because, you know, I wouldn't want to put anybody under, under pressure or duress to answer this question in front of other people. But it's a question that you need to ask yourself. Why did you do this in the first place? <laughs> Why are you here? My wife actually sent me a couple of things that, that she thought were very apropos for this topic as I was talking to her about it. And, and she's right. And, and it, it, one of them says... Cops work for a cause, not applause. It's a tough job which rarely receives appreciation. Cops choose to be cops for one reason only. And, and this quote actually gives the reason, but I'm not going to give it because we're about to talk about that. Why did you do it in the first place? 
Was it to help people make a difference? Um, perhaps you were a, a victim or somebody near you was a victim of crime and you just, you, you, you just want to change that in some way, some little way that you can make a difference. Was it, and I've referred to this before, was it what I refer to as your injustice bone? Are you one of these people that, that, that when you see somebody, you know, being taken advantage of being done wrongly, do you need to just, yeah, you've just got this overwhelming urge to step in and make it right. Why did you start in the first place? If you're a rookie listening to me right now, you might still be trying to figure that out. <laughs> Especially in today's policing world. Where pinning on the badge makes you a villain the very second you do it. Or are you five years, ten years, twenty years in? You, you've been, you've been in, in, in multiple assignments. Patrol, detectives, narcotics. Undercover. Are you, are you now wondering, geez, what's going on? You know, in, in police training, I remember this very clearly. And, and to be clear and to set, set the tone here, uh, I, I went to a uh, military-style police academy. Uh, very structured. Very military-style. Not like military, that kind of deal. But, but like boot camp-style police academy. Okay? And any time that we would say something about the word routine or regular or normal, we'd be on our face doing push-ups <laughs> or uh, six-inch leg-ups or squat thrusts or any other evil thing they could make us do until we just about fell out. They, driving out the thought of normality, driving out the thought of regularity, we're not supposed to think that way in policing. But I hear it a lot. It was just a routine patrol. It was a routine call. It was a routine traffic stop. What's routine about any of this? And I say all the time, well, everything's routine until it's not. <laughs> but every call is different. I mean, the definition of routine is something that is repeated over and over again with the similar or same results and the similar or same outcome. Like what happens while you're there? So you look at your job. Is it routine? Is every case the same? Is every traffic stop the same? I had an FTO, Stacy. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, it, was, it was one of these, a field training officer, by the way. And it was one of these where, uh, you know, she's like, okay, you drive. Like, oh, yay, I could drive a police car. Look at the buttons, right? But she would regularly say, where are you? I'm, I'm, I'm in the city. What are you talking about? No. What, what street are you on? We're going down alleys. Where are you? How would you call out? What would you tell them? And she started watching me, I found out, day by day. And if I take, took the same route every day, she would call me out on it. You've driven the same route for the last two days. Why? Every day you, 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 you get in the car and you leave this way and you go down this street and you make a left on that street and you're, she goes, you're not sweeping. You're patrolling. 
and it should be random because that way you see different things in different days, not the same thing every day. Driving that routineness out of me. And, and to be clear, at the time that I was in training, Stacy had been on the job 20 years. She still had that spark. She still knew why she did it. Do you? Or have you lost it? I would imagine it's easy to lose right now because of societal pressures, some, you know, somewhat at least. Or maybe you just, you've lost contact with the drive, right? So how do we get it back? Or First thing we got to do is figure out why did we start? Why did we do this? You got to figure out on your own. We just went over some choices. It, it might be a completely different thing as, as to why you did this. Get your hands around that and, and then run a timeline. Well, I was excited here. Yeah, I was jazzed about that. No, oh, I loved it when I went over here and I really liked doing this piece. And then wait a minute, somewhere along the line, it became the same thing. You know, back in the 1980s, at least here in the United States, and I would imagine Canada, there was a company uh, um, that, that made donuts, and they had this commercial with this guy, uh, and he would wake up every morning, and, and he would he was just trudging along, and he would go in, and he would say, time to make the donuts. Every day, different thing, every day, uh, or rather the same thing, every single day. The time to make the donuts. Do you feel like that? Do you feel like, well, I'll get in, I'll go over here and I'll do this and, da, da, and I'll answer these calls and I'll, the spark might be gone. You've got to figure that out. How do we get it back? The funny part is when, when you were, uh, when you were a younger officer, you, you, you probably even, you know, made some light jokes about retired on duty. Maybe you didn't call it that. But you, you could tell the people who were doing it. You know, I, um, I, I've seen field training officers that teach their officers, uh, especially in the evenings, hey, here's the best place to hide. Here's the best place to park your car. Here's the best place to, you know, uh, I, even, I even talked to one officer that said one of his field training officers always taught him never be the first on scene. If you're the first on scene, you have to write the report. Make a couple of turns until somebody else shows up first. That's horrible. That's horrible. A person should not be a field training officer because their spark was gone if they ever had it in the first place. Spark is contagious. Spark spreads like wildfire. You ever worked for a, a, a captain or a sergeant or a lieutenant or a major or whatever your structure is that was just excited about the job? And wanted you to be too. Wanted you to get this certification because you needed to come back and help us with this. And and he he or she was was at the scene with you, day or night. They were they were working at it and they were fired up. And guess what? So were you. So were you. Now you may find yourself now in a position that that position that that officer held. Maybe you're now the sergeant, the lieutenant, the captain, the major, the whatever. Are you giving that back? Or are you 
just kind of letting your division flow. You know, it, it disheartens me when I speak to agencies and, and the, the good folks, good brothers and sisters, and, and, and I hear things like, uh, well, you know, uh, you know, I've been here 450 years and, and, uh, I've taken this uh, position here. I've only got two years left. And so I've taken this position so I can just ride out the next two years. Ride out the next two years. Or maybe it's five or maybe it's 10. I think to myself immediately, at what point did you become retired on duty? At what point did you give up? This is where it becomes a little controversial. And, 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 you know, I, I apologize for my controversy, but this is something we need to talk about. We talk about, uh, you know, PTSD in law enforcement. It's a real thing. It is extremely real. I, I've, I've dealt myself with officers who've gone through situations that were never the same when they came out. And you can never tell the situation that causes it. You, you might be at the same situation and you're okay. You were able to, to, to make that right in your head. But it affected that officer in a negative manner. We talk about that in law enforcement. We talk about uh, uh, you know high rates of divorce. We talk about high rates of alcohol, you know, but do we talk about burnout? Because that's really what it is. If you lost the spark, if you're ROD, you have effectively burned out. And I want you to think back, especially if you're there right now. Think back to your training. Think back to when you started. When you, 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 your duty belt, right? Everything was perfect on that thing. <laughs> I think when I started, I felt my duty belt might've been made out of solid gold because I cleaned it so much. <laughs> I got, got over that pretty quick, but you know, we got excited. Our boots were right. And our, our uniform was right. And I used to say all the time, you know, the worst thing you can do to me as a suspect is mess up my uniform. I mean, if you want to, you want to run for me and you want to fight a little bit. Okay. You know, that's, that's your choice. We'll, we'll, we'll do that. But, but man, if you tear my uniform, right. Cause I, I, I was proud of it. I wanted it to be right. I wanted it to look right for the citizens. I, I wanted to, to act and function in a professional manner. But where does the spark go? We talk about these other things in law enforcement. We, we just don't talk much about, and I don't even know what we call it. Burnout, maybe? I mean, that, 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 sure, we can call it that. But burnout causes you to not do the job at all, you, you know, or, or completely fail at it. And we can't afford to fail at our job. If you're burnt out, if, you, if, if you're to the point where you're like, ah, just whatever, I'm just clocking in and moving on, clocking in and moving on, clocking in and moving on. But now you're the tip of the spear at, at an active shooter that just popped up at the, uh, you know, the Circle K or what, whatever place you're, you're in to get a drink for a moment. How do you handle that if you're retired on duty? And I know what you just thought. You just thought, well, I'll be good. I'll just snap right back in. Will you, though? Can you, though? Do, do you have the, the drive for the training? 
Do you have the drive for the defensive tactic skills that you've learned? Are they still there? Because I've noticed, and, and this is an opinion, I guess the whole thing's an opinion. It's my podcast, right? But I've noticed that when, when we're retired on duty, we're also a little bit like, I got that. I got that. I've done that. I'm good. I qualified already. No, nah, yeah. I'm, I, don't, I don't tussle around with the young boys anymore in defensive tactics. Why not? Because you may need to tussle around with a young boy on the street that decides he wants to fight a police officer. We, we can't be lax in that. We can't lose sight of the fact that when we become retired on duty or burnt out or whatever you want to call it, if the time comes, if the moment comes, or, or maybe I should just say when the time and moment comes, you're still expected to be the high-speed, low-drag police officer that you were when you started. You're still expected to be Johnny on the spot, ready to go, the, the, the hedge of protection that some agencies I, I, I go to use the hedge of protection or the hedge of protection around the citizens to, to, to buffer out the criminal. You've got to be there in that moment. But if you're just not feeling it, I, you just got to ask yourself, are you still ready? Are, are you still prepared to protect yourself, to protect others, to protect your fellow officers? I'm not saying you're not. That's up to you to ask. But I will say, let me, let me ask you this. In the last physical assessment test, then I hope to goodness you're still an agency that has those. Unfortunately, I hear some agencies have decided not to have those anymore, which scares me to death. But in your, in your last physical assessment test, did you just pass or did you do the best you could? Maybe the best you could is just passing. But... Again, I, I used to hear and I still hear officers go, well, all I got to do is make this and then I'm good. Bothers me. It bothers me. And, you know, maybe it's because I went to this militaristic, uh, you know, uh, police academy, which I hated every moment while I was there. <laughs> but the very second I got on the road, I realized why it was important. Not because we needed to treat the public like, you know, uh, uh, like, you know, ISIS. No, it wasn't that at all. It was just heightening your senses. It was honing. It was making sure that you were ready, but at the same time, treating people like they're humans, treating people in a professional manner. But, but if somebody decides to be that bad actor, if somebody decides to attack you or others, you got to be prepared because that's your job. Your job is to enforce the laws that are there. We're not writing them. We're not explaining them. We're not, we're, we're, we're not going in and saying, well, let me think what that law might mean. No, your job is to enforce the laws. Your, your job is to protect the citizens from people who want to perhaps act violently. Are you ready to do that still? That's just something you got to think about in your head. If not, how do you get it back? I thought a lot about that. Been traveling a lot lately. 
And I, this this topic, it, as you could probably tell, th- there's absolutely no notes in front of me. <laughs> I've, got, I've got my intro, I've got my outro, and I have my stupid criminals ready here on my screens. But I there's nothing here. This is This is from the heart. Because I think it really affects a lot of us. I've never seen an agency that doesn't affect. And I've never seen a positive effect. And I'm not necessarily worried about the agency. I'm more worried about the officer. I mean, how would you feel if it was yours to do and you you made a mistake? You weren't prepared. They got the best of you. I that would be difficult beyond belief. I know. I, I was always one that I, I don't run. I'm not built to run. <laughs> Never was built to run. But I knew it wasn't built to run. Push-ups, sit-ups, fine, no problem. I was I'm not built to run. But I knew I needed to work on it. And I worked on it and I worked on it and I worked on it and I worked on it. You know why? Uh, I, I, my very first year at the department, I, I, I sat at the Christmas banquet. We always had a, a Christmas banquet at the end of the year. You know, the mayor and council and all the cops and the awards and, and you know, you bring your, your significant others. And, and you know, it's, it, it was a nice time. And it was the first time, because frankly, nobody had told me we did this until that point. It was the first time that I saw that we had these P, we call them PT awards, physical assessment test awards. And I had taken it a number of times and I had passed the running portion. <laughs> yeah, passed. I, I, I admit to you, I was one of those that I went, ah, it's just not me. I, I, I don't do that. So what's the, what's the minimum I need to get there to be done? And I, and I stuck with that. And that's on me. And I saw these awards being handed out. And you know, look, okay, it's not like they're gold plated and come with a thousand dollars. All right. They're 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 plastic awards with a dude on top running. It's not the award. It was the fact that I went I'm I'm young, I'm healthy, I'm strong. What why don't I have that? And and I assure you it wasn't a Keeping up with the Joneses, I want one of those too. Ooh, I want to be in front of everybody and win that. I actually don't like that at all. Um, I don't, I'm not one that likes to be up in front of people with people going, oh, look how good. It, it really bothers me. But I just wanted to, to achieve it. <laughs> there was no reason I couldn't. So I started doing what I hated to do. I had no spark for it. But then all of a sudden I did because I had to decide for myself that there was no reason I shouldn't be able to. And I will tell you, be straight honest. I had a couple of memories come up while I was watching that of some fleeing suspects that ran away from me like I was walking. <laughs> it, it was miserable. Thank goodness it was before the time of cameras everywhere because I'd probably still be haunted by it. My buddies at the department be sending it to me left and right. I mean, it, it, like, literally, it was horrible. Had to find them later. Thank goodness we did, but I wasn't able to keep up. And you go, well, you know, you've got 
20 pounds of gear on you and you've got boots on and they probably were in shorts and t-shirt and you know running shoes and uh, I don't care I literally don't care I just I was not able to do the job I needed to do was which is apprehend that suspect so I saw all these in the totality and I started doing what I hated to do and that's run and run I did uh, got a really good pair of shoes and I wore them out and I got another good pair of shoes <laughs> I wore them out and, and my running style was horrible I mean it's like plodding along I mean a, a run like a 450 pound linebacker and I'm nowhere near 450 pounds but I did it and I hated every minute of it but it started getting better and my time started shortening and I had a lieutenant. His name was Lieutenant Jones. And I knew Lieutenant Jones at the time was, uh, was over our SWAT team. I didn't know much about the SWAT team. I just thought, well, that, that, that's cool. They get, they get awesome training and they go into situations that, that, are, that are just really bad. Uh, and and they, they make the situation better. They, they, they stop the bad actor. They're, they're the, uh, and I'll, I'll, get, I'll get junk for this on the email, but they're, they're the, the ultimate end of the situation, right? And by that, I don't mean shooting anybody. I mean, but, but they, they know how to stop the situation. When it gets really bad, that's who you call. And I thought, well, that's cool. You know, that I'd, I'd love to have that kind of training. And it was funny, too, because I was just thinking, uh, you know, not about being on the team, but just I would love to have that level of training. And he was also our PT instructor. He was the one that handled our physical tests. Good man to do it. And I was running in, you know, this was back we we run on a high school track. Ugh, running on a high school track is over and over. Like talk about time to make the donuts. One lap, two lap, three lap. Later on, we started running through the city, which was much better. I mean, you know, you got the hills and such, but it was easier because you're like, ah, I got something to look at. Got points to check. But nonetheless, so I'm, I'm running this PT. I mean, you know. I always had no problem again with push-ups and sit-ups. That was fine. Um, but I ran it and ran it and ran it, and I got it done, and Lieutenant Jones walked over to me. Probably doesn't remember this, but he said, hey, man. I said, yeah. And he goes, you've been working on it. I said, yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I've been working on it, man. I cut like four minutes off my time. And he goes, you know, just out of curiosity here, you were 29 seconds from meeting the SWAT standard. And he goes, just something to think about. And man, I just went, I'm 29 seconds from meeting that standard. Well, so it's working and I got the spark. Now, let me be clear. I still hated running and I hate running to this day, but the spark was there. Now, I, I'm not saying I was retired on duty for the entire deal. <laughs> I mean, I love my job. I was fired up. That was one of those officers that was always in it, right? I mean, I wanted to be there, wanted to write the report, wanted to help, wanted to answer the call. I mean, I like most rookies, I was just, you know, like a bouncing rabbit, right? I was just ready to go. But something changed in my thought process when he said that. I mean, here's the minimum. I was always like, what do I need to keep my job? Okay, because I don't like that. Then I worked at it and I got it down. I felt better about myself. I just did it for me. Like, I can do better. 
And then when I found out I was so close to what we considered the the maximum, the ultimate in in the physical standard, why don't I just do this a little bit more? <laughs> and I did. Now, later on, unrelated, I, I did go off the SWAT team and I made it and all that, and that was great. But but I think about that a lot. And SWAT team ran like we were being chased. I mean, we ran all the time. And and I hated it. But it did it because it was part of the job. I was expected to be in that condition. The citizens weren't paying me. Okay, here, here, here's another one where I'll probably make some folks mad, and I don't mean it, but, I, you know, y'all know by now. This is like the 27th one of these. Y'all know by now I'm just going to talk from the heart. The citizens weren't paying me to sit around and not be in shape. They weren't paying me to sit around and, oh, radio, he ran on foot. I'm, I'm headed back to the station in my car. No, they, they paid me to be part of that hedge. And let's think about that for a minute. So, so I'm a, I'm a Georgia fan, UGA live here. So, you know, you're typically either a Georgia fan or Georgia tech fan up here in the Metro Atlanta area. I'm a Georgia fan. And if you know anything about Georgia football, the stadium has this, this Lord knows multiple hundred year old row of hedges all the way around the, the field. And they are, I mean, believe me, they're, they're, sometimes they sell clippings from those hedges to take to your yard and they, they cost as much as a, <laughs> they're very expensive. You might as well buy a instead of Bose headphones. Uh, but so no, I don't have any, but, but they're beautiful. And what are they meant to do? Well, they're historic, you see. They, they were meant originally to keep the football players and the fans separated. They were meant historically to be that hedge of protection between the guys on the field who are beating their brains out and the people who are watching them do so. Okay? But what happens if a chunk of that hedge is removed? There's a hole. The defenses have a hole in them. We need to think of ourselves, if you're still part of a police department, if you are still mandated and sworn and you carry a badge and a, and a gun and a pair of handcuffs and all the stuff we love to carry, you are part of that hedge that cannot afford to have a hole in it. You say, well, I'm still here, DJ. You're nuts. You're talking nonsense. I'm still here. I can do my job. But in the same breath, you might say, you know, the, the younger guys will take care of that. So perhaps we can come to a compromise where the hedge doesn't have a hole, but the hedge has some type of weakness in it. You know, there's another one of those statements I wasn't looking forward to saying. I put myself on this. I did. I never wanted to be that that weak link that caused somebody else to get hurt, that that enabled a horrible person 
to get away and, and do their horrible acts to somebody else. I was always fearful of being that gap. Don't be that gap. So what was your original spark? When did you lose it? And by the way, if you haven't, good. Don't. Don't ever lose it. Be able to identify with yourself if you're starting to lose it and grab it back quickly. It's hard to get it back once you've lost it. Hard to get that motivation. I had a hard time getting motivation to run. Man, it hurts. <laughs> hurts your lungs. Hurts your heart. Hurts your legs. You feel like you've been beaten with a stick. But once you get back in the routine and once you get back doing it, it doesn't hurt anymore. It becomes, oh, I about said it. It becomes normal. I said routine too, didn't I? I'm waiting for my staff duty officer to come through my office door any moment and put me on the floor doing push-ups. Identify where you may have lost it. And then, like, a, like an old audio tape, rewind in your mind. Figure out what you were fired up about. Remember what got you doing it in the first place. Remember what got you fired up and excited about putting on that uniform and go back and capture it. I know that's putting it in very simple forms, but I mean, without knowing where you lost your spark, without knowing what caused you to lose your spark, I don't know what to tell you other than find it again. Even if it's one single point. I mean, something, folks, as small as running showed me I had more spark than I thought I had. Showed me that I didn't have to say, well, I'm not good at running. I've never been a runner. I'm not built to run. Because I proved myself wrong. The only person that can get your spark back is you. But you got to want it. You might be close to retirement. God bless you. Thank you for your service. But close to retirement is not retired. Close to retirement is not retired. If you ever find yourself using the term retirement job, retirement position, retirement duty, welcome. You're already ROD. Come back. Help the ones that are new. Help the rookies. You have so much knowledge in your head. That you, you should never consider yourself retired on duty. You should consider yourself, and, and cops don't like to say this, but you should consider yourself truly a wealth of knowledge that could help perhaps even save a younger officer. Pass it down. Be that mentor. Maybe that's your spark. Maybe your spark is pouring in to the officers. Maybe you only have six months or a year or two years left. We'll look at it this way. You only have six months, a year, or two years 
to download all of the information you have to these younger officers to help them avoid mistakes you've made, to help them be safer, to help them expand in their job and their knowledge. Look at it as a timer. You only have that much time to help those that are behind you. Maybe that's where your spark lies. Now, let's take a look at some stupid criminal. That always helps me get my spark back when I can laugh at folks. Number one, Superman. <laughs> what? Superman's a stupid criminal? Eh, sort of. Check this out. A burglary suspect dubbed the Man of Steel, by the way, S-T-E-A-L, by local media in Philly, was busted. At 18 years old, he was uh, busted uh, trying to sell a stolen laptop while he was on his BMX bike. Just put that in your head for a minute. That nothing, there's nothing suspicious or odd about that. You got an 18-year-old on a bike trying to sell a laptop that probably has no cord. By the way, folks, as an aside, if you're on social media, you're on one of these sell sites and people are selling electronics, and it says, has no cord, nine times out of ten, it's stolen. Don't buy it. Anyway, uh, but what's the deal? Why is he the Man of Steel? Well, because he was actually wearing a Superman shirt and red Chuck Taylor sneakers. That's right, bright red Chucks. You want to talk about identifying a suspect? I don't know too much too much different outfit that would help me understand and identify you. Yeah, you got it right. The uh, victim described him just as he was. Didn't see the bike, but, uh, you know, Superman shirt and red Chucks pop out. He was found very easily. Why? Because he was still wearing the shirt and the chucks. Whew. Charged with two counts of burglary and other related offenses. Police superintendent, this is a great quote. Police superintendent gives a local paper a quote that says, Don't steal and don't ride your BMX bike with your red chuck sneakers and a blue Superman shirt. I say superintendent, tell him to. Makes the job a whole lot easier. All right, let's go back for more shirts. This time, also on the bad guy, but a bit of a twist. Derek Benson wore a sweatshirt that said, Libra, freedom, on it for a 2014 mugshot on another charge. So, he's getting mugshot and he's wearing this sweatshirt, okay? Here's the deal, though. Uh, this particular area, uh, Glastonbury, Connecticut, actually posts the mugshots, and uh, somebody was reading the paper and saw the mugshot and said, wait a minute, that's my sweatshirt. Now, how do they know it's a sweatshirt? It was a Coco Libre sweatshirt. Well, you see, it's funny. This particular sweatshirt is only given to people who work for this particular company called Coco Libre. This guy's house was broken into some time ago, and lo and behold, here's a guy in a booking photo wearing a sweatshirt, looks just like his. He shows up, they take the sweatshirt, he was able to identify it as his, and, quote, a subsequent investigation led to Benson's arrest for that burglary as well as others. Charged with burglary, larceny, criminal trespass, and criminal larceny. Moral of the story, folks, I was about to say, don't wear stuff that makes you identifiable. Actually, you know what? Wear bright orange, if you'd like, and, and maybe one of those hats. Remember those hats have the propeller on the top that spins around? Wear one of those. Makes it a whole lot easier. Switching gears here. 
Anybody here ever been to the Brooklyn Bridge? Raise your hand. Not that I can see it, but raise your hand. You're in your car raising your hand. You, you just did it. You just raised your hand because a podcast told you to. That's okay. Uh, you ever been to the Brooklyn Bridge? You ever thought about climbing it? Yeah, me neither. However, there was a Russian tourist. I mean, uh, I'm going to butcher this guy's name. Yaroslav Kolchin. Might have been close. He did. He decided to climb the Brooklyn Bridge. Not kidding. They dispatched helicopters, boats, police officers, fire trucks, because, you know, they thought this guy was probably going to jump. Actually, he was just up there taking pictures, thought it would be a good picture opportunity. He was arrested. You go, well, okay, you're right, that was stupid. Oh, it gets better, my friends. What was he sentenced to? Something you probably wouldn't expect. The judge said, you know, he's got no record. It wasn't the smartest thing to do, but might not have been malicious. Although it did cost the police about 7400 bucks uh, in response. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to have Mr. Colchin, you'll love this, folks, clean the bridge. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He, he was sentenced to 90 days in jail, but let out every day to go clean the bridge. Now, the only thing this this article doesn't have, and I couldn't find it, is I, I don't know what he cleaned the bridge with. Uh, you know, it's a good thing I'm not a judge, because I'd have been like, here here's a here's a bucket and a toothbrush. Have a good time. So, moral to the story: apparently, you won't go to jail for climbing the Brooklyn Bridge. However, be prepared to do some scrubbing afterward. And the last one here. Oh, I love this one. This guy, Trevor Runyon. He broke into a Kentucky grocery store. Well, technically, he didn't break in. He was there, and he hid until everybody left and locked up. Okay? Sure. So while he's in this value market, um, the footage shows him actually eating six steaks, some shrimp, and an entire birthday cake. Let me read that back. Six steaks, some shrimp, and an entire birthday cake. That's right. You see, the value market also sold grills. You know, you ever been to a grocery store that sells one of those junky grills you have to put together? Yeah, well, Joker, here, put it together. Uh, found the charcoal and the lighter fluid and lit it. Value market, you might also need to check your fire suppression system if it didn't pick that up. Uh, enough time to cook six steaks. So he's eaten his weight, right? Oh, he wasn't done. He, he went and got 57 cans of Ready Whip, whip topping. He ate 57 cans of Ready Whip. Now, granted, he probably also turned them upside down and huffed them, but 57 cans. He went through some beer. I like, it how, I like how it says some beer. Like, we know there were 57 cans of Ready Whip and six steaks and some beer. Okay. And he smoked some cigarettes. Now, apparently, after eating all that, he couldn't fit into his clothes, so he went over, and this place, uh, I guess, has a market with, uh, it's like a, got some other stuff in it, and he helped himself to a change of clothes. Now, what did he do after this, you ask yourself? Well, probably not much except waddle or roll, because at this point, he's probably about to pop. I, there, there was no, um, there was no booking photo, so I don't know what this man looks like, or, or, or you know, what type of stature he may have. I'm imagining... You know, hefty. Uh, I mean, to eat six steaks, there's no way I'm eating that. But nonetheless, so he's well full. 
and probably fairly inebriated. Does he leave? No, he decides to climb up in the rafters and go to sleep. Now I have to give him an extra star for being able to eat all that and climb into the rafters, but nonetheless, there he is. They find him in the morning. Why? Well, he, he didn't do a very good job of the climbing and hiding himself. Firefighters had to go up and extract him from his perch because he got up there but could not get down. Not surprised. Police took him into custody and charged him with so many things, I don't have the time to read them off. <laughs> I love that one. I did, Really? Nothing really of value. I mean, well, yeah, stakes of value and things like that, but nothing he can take with him. Okay. He just, yeah, all right, sure. I hope the steaks were good. That's all I got to say. If you didn't have time to season them, they probably weren't that good, but yeah, whatever. There you go. I guess we did learn this, though. If you need a grill or some steaks or a birthday cake or cigarettes or alcohol or clothes, Value Market's a place you need to go. Mm -hmm. You know, as we go along this journey together, I may say some things you do not agree with. Hence, this podcast. I meant no offense, truly. I was talking to myself as much as I was talking to you. Or you may agree with me or have a topic. Or perhaps, like our guest the last week, uh, you may have a, a guest suggestion. You know, or a funny police story. Love those. I've gotten some from you. Thank you very much for sending them. I encourage you to continue to email me at offthebeat, that's right, name of the podcast, at MotorolaSolutions.com to give me your thoughts and ideas. And check out my Twitter page at DJ underscore off the beat. Until next time, if I can talk, I may be like Trevor. You know, I've had too many steaks. Who knows? But until next time, stay diligent, stay educated, and above all, stay safe.